0: Welcome to In the Gutter, a podcast that is all comics, all bangers, all the time, with story expert Lonnie Diane Rich and superhero scholar Joshua Unruh. One of the hosts has read almost no superhero comics, and the other has read almost all of them. We'll let you sort out which is which. And now, In the Gutter.
1: I was dying, right? Um... So then I start sleeping and I like, I woke up in the morning, I wake up every morning at six o'clock. I am telling you right now, I do not go to bed like early enough that when I wake up at like 5.30, six o'clock, I've gotten seven to seven yeah. and a half hours. I'm trying, but I mean like that means I'm crawling into bed at nine o'clock like my grandmother and I just, I have issues with that. So I'm looking at options here because I really like getting up at six in the morning, like bolting out of bed and everything. But like if I I'm going to try to do the biphasic sleep where you sleep like, you know, twice a day, basically you do the nighttime sleep and then you wake up for a little while and then you like nap in the afternoon. Yeah. And if I can get cumulative seven and a half hours a day. I think that might make a difference. But right now, because I've been so bad for so long, I'm for like, if I get up at six o'clock, I'm like, no, your ass is going back to sleep. And I would just go back to sleep. And then, you know, whatever it is, it is.
0: You and I are far too similar. (laughs) And I actually, I mean, if the biphasic with your schedule works now, that's never, or at least not for a while, going to be a thing I can think about. And I'm also like, I can't go to bed at nine. I'm an adult. By the way, yeah. and I'm and uh-huh. I I had to set the stage that I say that to myself before I say this cuz I uh-huh. don't want to make you feel bad. This is also for me. That is the dumbest fucking thing in the world. As an it adult, is. you can actually it go is. to bed at 5. You can do what you want. You can go to bed
1: whenever the hell you want. That's you can right. build your life as much as you can around the job that you have to have because capitalism. But like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like you can build your life the way that you want and the idea of like you know, not going to bed. Like the the idea that going to sleep at an hour that allows you to get the number of hours of sleep that you need is somehow this admission that you are no longer relevant in the world. You're just old and just go and die now, right? You know? It's ridiculous, Mm -hmm. stupid bullshit, and yet it's all in my head. So while we're talking about ridiculous, stupid bullshit, I think (laughs) we should start talking about this week's issue. Actually, I don't want to say ridiculous, stupid bullshit. I actually enjoyed this issue. Yes. But oh my God, the exposition we're going to be getting into that in depth in a little bit. But yeah, so for everybody listening, we are talking today on in the gutter about Captain America Winter Soldier by Ed Brubaker 2004 issue number 4 in the Out of Time series.
0: Yeah. Get it right? Yeah, pretty much. Hey, look at me. I, I might it's I know so this confusing. is this is just mm-hmm. for the comic book readers at home. I might say <laughs> arc instead of series just because these words okay. have become things Sort of terms of art.
1: That mean different things, right? But I mean, you're
0: not wrong. I'm just splitting that Mm -hmm. hair for any folks that tune in that are actual comic book people.
1: Okay, well, and thank you for that. Because clearly we all know that I am not, but I am learning amazing things. So explain the difference between a series and an arc.
0: Okay, so there's kind of too many words for one particular thing, right? Like, so this is the Captain America series, Okay. Okay. All right. But a lot of times mm-hmm. we will discuss them as titles. For instance, especially if you have a very popular character like Batman or Spider Man that have, you know, four or five books. That's another one. We'll say they have four or five books or four or five titles. Mm-hmm. Like they're, hey, yeah, okay. which bat title did you pick up this month? Right? Like that kind of thing. So you have okay. series, book, and title that kind of tend to, and these, again, these are terms of art. Nobody wrote this shit down. This is just how we talk about things. <laughs>
1: how it is shaking out as we discuss these things throughout. So the book is the issue. Is the comic book? So when I say saying?
0: book, I would say I'm reading a Captain America book, right? Like, and then they might go, oh, which one? And I'd say Sentinel of Liberty. Or I might say, oh, my gosh, this was a beautiful one. When I was in eighth uh-huh. grade, there were uh, Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man and Web of Spider-Man. And uh-huh. then they launched a book that was for a particular creator that was just called Spider-Man. And it was very confusing to us. We actually had to start saying Amazing Spectacular Web or web of, which made us sound ridiculous. And this eventually shook out into adjective like that was the thing we said, because around the same time, uh-huh. there was an uncanny X-Men and an X-Men with no adjective. So it was uncanny and adjectiveless. Why didn't we say oh uncanny God. and X-Men? for the same reason that there were 47 mats in my high school class and none of them were actually called Matt. Every one of them got a nickname. It's that that's the deal. So we are reading the Captain America series or you might say the Captain mm-hmm. America book and then we are in the uh out of time Because you can tend, once they started, uh, bookstores became a thing for comic books. Uh, That has not Mm -hmm. always been the case, right? And once that happened, people started writing for the trade, as they say, for the trade paperback, uh, to greater and lesser success. I would say Mm -hmm. and so then you actually could start thinking of these things in terms of arcs you know instead of uh instead of the kind of ongoing like where do you where do you stop an arc on a soap opera it's the same thing with comic books before you know 1988 yeah
1: okay i get it yeah i think well no i don't get it i am slowly beginning to absorb it a little bit more well and that's the way
0: to do it it's like learning another language you don't i mean yeah Mm -hmm. you can go full immersion to learn a language because learning a language is something that's useful to you, but like hobby shit like this, just just get it as the, I, I'm just easing I'll into the hot tub, you know? Yeah,
1: pick it up as we go. That's right. All right, so this is the Out of Time arc, issue number four, Captain America Winter Soldier book or series. I'm
0: gonna let that one Did go.
1: Okay, thank you. I'm just I'm figuring it out as I No,
0: no, it's it's the, like there's a hair to split there, but it's not worth it. the The collection okay. that we're reading is called the Winter Soldier because they the wanted Winter it to Soldier. be easy to find after the movie. Okay. But the actual book, as it was hitting the stands, was just Captain America. Okay. Yeah, that's it.
1: All right. Okay. Because
0: remember, this was all a surprise in 2004. We didn't know what was happening.
1: Well, yes. What was, <laughs> and also Winter Soldier was. Something so, so they went back and retroactively named it Winter Soldier after the movie.
0: You might remember from our first episode, I talked a little bit about how why it's so confusing for us to figure out what version everybody's reading, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, one of those reasons is that they just reprint stuff, and sometimes that's because things mm-hmm. go out of print, they need a new version, mm-hmm. and sometimes it gets a new cover, or you know, they do omnibus editions. You know what, that's not right, it's omnibuses, but that's only for the Latin nerds is at it? home. It is, it is. <laughs> It is because omnibus is not okay. a Latin word, it's a Greek word. So it's omnibus. Oh, there you go. Um, I like so that's it. why I said it's just for the Latin nerds. So sometimes they'll reprint omnibuses, which will have several other trades in it, that kind of thing. This one, mm-hmm. I believe, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that this one was reprinted after the movie to capitalize on people's interest in the source material. Okay. So that you could go sure. in and say, can I get a copy of Captain America Winter Soldier, just like the movie's title? Right? Mm -hmm. Because for those people, it's not a surprise, right? Like when this was coming out in 2004, uh, I think this might be the first issue that we actually hear the words Winter Soldier from out of anybody's mouth in the story.
1: Interesting.
0: Right? Mm -hmm. Because Bucky coming back. Fucking spoiler warning for a 2004 comic and a movie that came out whenever the hell. When Bucky came back, it was shocking. Like, there's a handful Mm -hmm. of people that have always been said would stay dead in superhero comics, even though the the revolving door to heaven and hell is spinning like a motherfucker most of the time.
1: But there's a handful
0: of people that we always said would stay dead. Uncle Ben is one Mm -hmm. and Bucky is one. And so far, only Uncle Ben is hanging in there. Yeah, As staying dead. Holy
1: Uncle Ben is actually really super dead.
0: So this was a huge surprise. We did not see yeah. this coming, even knowing Brew was amazing, and we're in there, and we're like, "Who's mm-hmm. the guy in the tank?" And blah blah blah. You know, um, yeah, yeah. It was it was a real surprise. So,
1: all right. So uh, I guess let's just move into the summary then.
0: Yeah, tell me. <laughs> Tell me everything that happened, or more like everything everybody talked about in issue number four.
1: Everything everybody talked about in issue number four. In Captain America, Winter Soldier number four, it's a turducken of furious machinations stuffed inside Red Skull cosplay, stuffed inside all the exposition one comic book can possibly hold. We start in a limo where General Lucan, hey, remember him, is plotting to take over an energy conglomerate, but we don't care because it's boring. And Steve and Sharon need to travel to different places while Fury keeps them separate which makes me suspicious because if you're ever not suspicious of Nick Fury well you're just not paying attention Fury sends Steve to Arlington National Cemetery, where he finds the desecrated graves of William Naslin, aka the Spirit of 76, and Jeffrey Mace, aka the Patriot, both of whom were at one time or another also Captain America, while Cap and Bucky were presumed dead. And you know what happens when you presume anything in a comic book? People return from the fucking dead, that's what happens. Anyway, Captain Sisyphus gets the exposition boulder to the top of the hill, and before he lets it roll back down for Fury to pick up in the next scene, he wonders who's sending him a message with these two graves has another warped memory, and then finds himself being shot at by a heavily armed, one might say over Crossbones. During the fight, Cap flashes between warped memories and Crossbones beating the snot out of him in the middle of oncoming traffic. Not the worst pickle Cap's ever been in, but being beat to shit by Red Skull cosplay dude while your consciousness flits through time is pretty dilly. So Crossbones realizes that Cap is not at the top of his game and stops beating the shit out of him because killing someone who's in the middle of a dissociative episode just isn't fun. He tells Cap to tell the Russian that sent him to Kill Cap that he messed with the wrong cosplay dude. Cap kneels in the road in a reasonably intense state of WTF. Meanwhile, Fury picks up the ex boulder and rolls it through a scene with Sharon where he tells her that the weapon that murdered Red Skull has been found and has Jack Monroe's fingerprints all over it. You know, Jack Monroe. The guy who used to be Bucky for a while in the 50s, we will talk about how in the hell that is a thing, and then went off book for a bit before S.H.I.E.L.D. cured him of, I don't know, I guess being evil, Joshua will explain it later, and they get him back into society, and then Cap helped him and made him his sidekick for a while, and then for a little while, Jack picked up Cap's secret identity, secret identity nomad, and where was I? Yes, Jack Monroe was nomad for a while, but then he got brainwashed and ended up being some character named Scourge, something which by context you would think would be a bad thing, but during that time, apparently he killed criminals, so I'm sure Joshua will explain that soon as well. But the good news is that Jack was a shield operative for a while and he has an old tracker they injected into his shoulder when he thought it was a vaccine. And I guess we can all blame Nick Fury for that bullshit filtering into our societal consciousness. But anyway they track Jack down to within a few miles and Sharon needs to go find him and ends up in some abandoned warehouse at night. And we all know only good things happen in an abandoned warehouse at night. So Sharon cuts comms with S.H.I.E.L.D. and sees a broken lock and is like abandoned warehouse at night? I'm alone? No backup? Sure, okay. And she goes in and pokes around until Jack Monroe's dead body falls on her and some asshole steps out of the shadows and clocks her across the face, knocking her unconscious. But if it came down to that or pushing that damn exposition boulder back up the hill, I'm not sure she would have chosen differently it is remarkable
0: how little (laughs) actually happens in this issue and still that's a lot
1: that's a lot and it's all almost all exposition aside from uh you know from cap getting beat to shit by crossbones now here's the thing uh you and i have have come to kind of a, a space here with crossbones where all <laughs> I see is Red Skull cosplay dude. And um, you have some respect for crossbones, which I'm sure comes from something absolutely legitimate. My question for you is, is that extra textual to this arc? Or am I going to see something from crossbones in this arc that makes me actually respect him?
0: Well, I mean, I will point out to you that he just beat the living shit out of the Sentinel of Liberty right in the middle of a highway.
1: Yeah, while doing this for Red Skull. Like, it's just the the Red Skull, um, you know, like, uh, worship Like, it's just, it's weird. Like, it's weird. And yes, he beat the shit out of Cap in the middle of traffic, but Cap was also having a dissociative episode. Now, I do respect that it's, you know, that he has some respect for himself and that he's like, I am not going to beat the hell out of you when you can't fight back. So there's something to that. But so far, all I see is a guy in desperate need of a lot of therapy, which granted, Can describe most of us, but.
0: Well, look, okay, two quick
1: points.
0: (laughs) First of all, the Red Skull worship. I mean, let's remember both in fiction and in the real world that fascism is essentially a bunch of demagoguery and cults of personality. So, and Red Skull learned at the knee of, you know, one of the best of those assholes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the fact that he gets one dude who used to just be like, Random faceless merc guy and gives him, you Mm -hmm. know, an outfit, a name and the ability to kick shit out of Captain various Captains America (laughs) over the years.
1: And as we know, there have been a lot. There's been a few.
0: And so that's that's not nothing. Secondly, I'm yes. Yes. You rightly point out that this particular time that he's kicking the piss out of Captain America, Cap's not at the top of his game. The Crossbones is not an idiot. He didn't show up there to get his ass kicked. He showed up because he thought there was a better than average chance he'd win that fight.
1: (laughs) Well, then why does he leave?
0: Well, we'll get to that in my favorite part, actually.
1: Okay, interesting. Well, we'll get to that when we get to that. But overall response to this issue, Josh, what'd you think?
0: I'm really in a tough spot. There is so much exposition in this book. Just so Mm -hmm. much in this issue. And a couple of six awesome things happen, right? Like, I really like the crossbones fight. Fury is not doing a lot, but he's keeping secrets, Mm -hmm. obviously. Like, there's some stuff going on. And it's actually still a pretty readable issue, even though it... You know what I, I think I call it in the notes? It's an elevated slog.
1: It is. Like, you know what? I think that's actually a really good description of this issue. Like, I, exposition is a necessary evil. Anybody who's a writer knows that there is information that you do need to get across to your readers so that they understand the context of everything that you're doing. So, like, I get it. Um I... I typically prefer a lighter hand with the exposition Mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. this and i'm not sure if that page although i do have to say like that whole thing that i went on you know in the summary about jack monroe and who he is and he was nomad and he was scourge and he was this and he was that like everything all of the information that i said in that paragraph they get across in uh, i don't know how they do it it's Fucking wizardry. They it get is. It across in a couple of panels on one page. And yes, it is very heavy. This is a very heavy boulder to be rolling uphill. But they do it about as efficiently as I think it could possibly have been done.
0: Yes, yes, 100%. You know? I mean, that's what I mean by an elevated slog is that this is still pretty readable. And the fact that it's readable and enjoyable at all is kind of a minor miracle. It is stuff yeah. that has to be done. You're absolutely right. And, uh, and I'll tell you, who I will tell you that once upon a time, they never exposited shit. Oh, you needed to know something from 15 years ago? There'd be a little box in the corner that would be like, check out issue 474 of Exposition Man, Smiling Stan. And that was it. <laughs> and was it efficient? It was efficient as fuck. Was it helpful unless you had, like, back issue bins unless to go to? Unless you had no? that
1: issue handy. Yeah. yeah. that is, it's it's kind of amazing. And I, I don't know, like, we'll find out as we go how all of that exposition for Jack Monroe is absolutely necessary because it seems a little service y to me. But that said, I mean that all of that in a couple of panels, it was the most efficient exposition I've ever seen. And for that alone, I think I've gotta, you know, I've gotta give it up to this issue. Like yes, yes. all of that exposition is very difficult to carry. Steve's exposition is forever. Fury lays the shit down mm-hmm. in that page and it's it's impressive. Cap's
0: stuff at least has the benefit of some flashbacks. So he's talking yes. over flashbacks. Fury and Sharon are just doing like uh, uh, the most Sorkin-y of Sorkin walk and talks back and forth yes. on this thing. <laughs> and it's still with Epting's like facial expressions and responses. Again, it's not great, but it's still pretty damn readable. It's it, it's yeah. something. It's impressive. I
1: don't know. I don't know that you could carry that much exposition and do it better.
0: Yeah. Like, that's the
1: thing is it's it's a lot of weight. There is a lot of weight of history on this issue, Um, but they did a pretty great job.
0: They did. They absolutely did.
1: Now that I am entirely certain, 90 percent certain, maybe 85 percent certain, what is cover (laughs) art and what is not,
0: you got what I see is spoiler. You got this one. You got it.
1: Oh, yay for me. All right. We have an image of Cap in full Cap regalia, his head down, clutching his shield in a way that is is—it's uh, uh, slightly reminiscent of the way teenage boys used to carry their books in middle school and just saying in front of a grave in what appears to be a military cemetery. The colors are really dark and muted. The sky is gray. Cap's head is lowered. It's a somber image, but it is beautifully done and so expressive. I, I really do like this cover.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's kind of an interesting sort of non-cover, like harkening back to the first one, in a way, right. mm-hmm. it's at least tied mm-hmm. to something going on in the issue. But really, it's a pretty small part of the issue, because again, there's so much exposition. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and I, I'm, I'm just to illuminate this a little bit more, and I am not a military person, but just I think what they're doing is that... Mm-hmm. Captain America is doing like a variation, like a modified parade rest. Normally, parade rest mm-hmm. is hands behind your back, but most people don't have a big fuck off shield that they have to take care of.
1: <laughs> true, and true. and mm-hmm.
0: it, it's kind of the like a um, it's not fully at ease. It's a middle space, mm-hmm. like the kind of thing that you would right. do if you were going to be at a funeral for a while, you know. So you're not mm-hmm. at attention the entire time, but you are not at ease. You are in this kind of parade mm-hmm. rest. Uh, kind of thing. So I think that this is as essentially respectful, you know, a, a, a stance as we can expect.
1: Right. For mm-hmm.
0: from one soldier to fallen soldiers, and and really specific fallen soldiers, mm-hmm. right? Like not just yes. you know, my my brother marine or my brother infantryman. Like this is very much the the sort of rarefied crop of people who have worn a Captain America outfit. There's not there. there yes. I made a joke earlier. There are a few, but there's not dozens. You know, mm-hmm. so
1: yeah, yeah, no. uh, And now, like, I think in the am I the asshole question, I am the asshole for making a boner joke out of that. But I do appreciate the uh, the illumination.
0: <laughs> Look, you're not an asshole because uh, you're on the right track. If only because and I know this not only because I once was a middle school boy, but also <laughs> because I have had multiple choir directors and an entire priest tell me not to stand in fig leaf
1: <laughs> so you've got a point
0: is what i'm saying
1: all right okay so uh when it comes to the interior art uh we've talked a little bit about how like the facial expressions and all this kind of stuff but it's you know it kind of becomes the same thing every week cuz we're like the interior art is great and it t- it continues to be great for a lot of the same reasons uh-huh. that we yeah. kind of already discussed
0: yeah, I, I at the risk of just like plugging one of my other podcasts. This is why my uh, friend and co host Caleb Masters and I when we started covering, covering Batman the animated series, we decided mm-hmm. we weren't doing every episode and it wasn't because they yeah. aren't good. It's because almost all of them are good. So mm-hmm. you just would have a whole bunch of us going, yep, it's another banger of an episode, not really anything specific. <laughs> like when, when your mm-hmm. C material is everybody else's A material, it gets incredibly difficult to discuss it. I've run into this with uh, the Usagi Yojimbo um, comic mm-hmm. book series that is just so consistently good because it's one man, one writer, one artist. Mm-hmm. He's been doing it for yes. 30 years. and And it's, you know, are there some... Bad spots, of course, there always are. But I mean, mm-hmm. if you tried to do this issue by issue, or like BTAS episode by episode, it'd be boring mm-hmm. as shit. It really would. Yeah. And so this is another one of those where it's like, here's Epting, Eptening the hell out of things. Good job, fella. You know.
1: Yeah. Great work. Looks awesome. Uh, So yeah, it does make it a little bit difficult to talk about in detail because there is so much stuff that is just a repetition of of stuff we've said before. So I think on interior art, you know, when there is something that specifically stands out for us to discuss, we'll bring that in. But most of the time it's just going to be, yeah, Epting's amazing. So let's go ahead and get into our story response. Uh, Lucan, okay. I have to say, I I love what's (laughs) happening. For a villain, I really like this guy. Um, You know, are are you going to play nursemaid all day or are you going to help me take over an energy conglomerate? So now we know what he wants. It's something fucking boring, right? Like every energy conglomerate, they fell asleep by the time he was done with the first syllable on that. I mean, depending on his intent, like, yes, this could cause big disasters, but it's something that feels evil, but also reasonable, also just standard capitalist, which is interesting coming <laughs> from like a Russian, right? You know? Um, especially of that time frame, you know? Um, and I guess like I'm just tired of crazy eyed evil for evil's sake kind of bad guys. This guy does not seem that interested in evil. He's just not particularly bothered by it. Um mm. and once again, and I love this, he's flashed in front of us Easy to forget, boring little scene. Like, you know, executed nicely, but also I had to read it three times because I kept drifting off. Like my you know, focus <laughs> kept drifting off, you know. Um and then it's so easy to forget. And this is what I love is that you know, Brubaker is coming in and dangling Lucan in front of us and being like, Yes, still here. And then in a page Even I, who is looking for Lucan and interested in Lucan and knows that Lucan is going to be amazing, like I fucking know it, right? Um, I forget about him by the next page because then all of a sudden you're hit in the face with Cap and Crossbones and Fury and Sharon Uh and all of this stuff going on, you know? Um, Kind of amazing. I'm really excited about it.
0: Um, I will push back on the boringness only gently in that you may Mm -hmm. not have noticed but you maybe should have what energy conglomerate he's talking about taking <laughs> over. That's Roxxon Energy Corp.
1: Right. He's parking in yeah. front of, which mm-hmm. you
0: do have some frame of reference we for. We have some
1: history with that, right? From Especially Peggy Iron Carter. Man 3, I believe was big with uh, Roxxon, right? It,
0: it was all over the, uh, at least the second season of Peggy Carter. And yes. it, it kept mm-hmm. cropping up off and on through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. also. Yes. Um, Of course, Mm -hmm. it's been mentioned. It was the, I think, a Roxxon, like, drilling platform was kind of the big set piece Mm -hmm. for Iron Man 3 at the end, you know. So they're Mm -hmm. around. Um, They're not good people. Right. You know, but... Which leads me to the other thing. I think you're right about Luke, and I I can, Mm -hmm. because I've read this before, I can also tell you, yes, we are doing Mm -hmm. some uh, juxtaposition of your Mm -hmm. mustache twirly supervillain stuff and what is Mm -hmm. a real banality of evil, right? Like, he's Mm -hmm. just, honestly, right here, you're seeing it. He's a rich asshole willing to kill to get what he wants, and honestly, that's every rich asshole. Like, he's just Bezos or Musk with a smidge more ambition and style. But only a smidge at this point.
1: (laughs) Well, and, you know, and we don't know what Bezos and Musk are doing, you know, in their off time. But the bottom line is, (laughs) you know, he does have a very, like, super villain kind of feel without that I am just evil because I love evil and evil loves me. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's a nice kind of switch at least for me again because yeah. i haven't read that many superhero comics sure. but i i have we've gone through the mcu um and one of my complaints was that we have you know evil like Ronan the destroyer or the, is that what he was the destroyer and he was uh, an accuser Guardians. he's
0: the supreme he's an accuser.
1: accuser i kept calling him the destroyer he, deserves he is better. an accuser either way so does lee pace either way Boring. So, um, so I'm really enjoying this, and I love the way it's being dangled in front of us in these muted tones. We're not going to grab anybody's attention with Lucan. Lucan is like lying pretty low. We know, of course, you know when Crossbones says there's a Russian that hired me. I am living under the presumption that that was Lucan who set mm-hmm. Crossbones after, um, after Cap. But I don't know. We'll find out.
0: So I want to actually contrast uh, Lucan with in- mm-hmm. with most of the MCU villains uh, because they do, by and large, fall into two camps, and one of them is. Mm-hmm. We're just evil and no one has given us any reason to be evil. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Ronan is a good example of that. Like I have all this other extraneous reason that I get, you know, but yeah, it's not in the actual text. The other side that they tend to fall into, and, and I am thankful they're not doing this with Lucan because frankly, Baker's a better writer than a lot of the stuff that's mm-hmm. going on in the MCU, especially when it comes to villains, because the other camp is they are Right. They are incredibly uh-huh. correct and right about the time that we go. Wait a minute! They're making some good points. They all say shoot the hostages for no fucking reason.
1: Well, and you know, here we've got you know this idea of the bad guy who is absolutely right, but maybe willing to go a little bit too far to like pursue uh, the the good or whatever it is that yeah. they're doing. Um, how, how does Nick Fury fit into this space? Because I got to tell you. I don't trust this guy um you know i i don't like you know that he is deliberately separating sharon and cap for reasons i don't know what they are um we're not supposed to trust fury like i feel like that is in the text right are we are we being told not to trust him
0: this is really complicated I I mean, honestly, it's honestly complicated, especially like I will say for me personally, because, yeah, this is not trustworthy behavior. But at the same time, Fury has been since the 60s sort of this mainstay, you know, uh, he Mm -hmm. coordinates the heroes when it's a huge deal. You know, he gets in places with shield planes, you know, um, Mm -hmm. there's all this like Fury helps out, but he's also a spy master, which by definition means Mm -hmm. you can't trust a thing. That he says or does. And the mm-hmm. hard part for me is that I've been reading comics my whole life. And before that, I was a big fan. I'm still a big mm-hmm. fan of spy-fi. And in the 60s, we didn't question this. Like, spies were good guys. And so here yeah. I am personally sitting at the crossroads of, I love genre fiction that's all about cops, from beat cops on mm-hmm. up to global cops, but also a cab. Like, here I sit <laughs> in the middle space. Right. And so I don't think you're you're not making anything up. He's clearly not to be trusted, but like how mistrustful you should be, I got to say your mileage will vary. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, because he always ends up, you know, like as we've seen in the movies and I think probably in the in the comic books is he always ends up. It's like the ultimate good. But what separates him from the villains who are right and who are pursuing something that's right, but go a little bit too far mm-hmm. feels to me like both a moving and a very thin line.
0: The, the least trustworthy person in the world is the person who is willing to do absolutely awful things for the broader good, you know, that is yeah. the, because, mm-hmm. and that's Fury all the time. Let's remember that at the beginning of mm-hmm. the movie, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, he thought a bunch of heavily armed S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarriers with a massive database of problematic people was a good idea. Like the only <laughs> right. difference between him and Hydra at that point, mm-hmm. the only difference is that Hydra was going to kill them before, they did something bad and he was going to kill them after they did something bad. Right. <laughs> this is not as huge a difference as we would like to pretend in mm-hmm. my opinion. So yeah, it's just, he's not, the more I read these, The less S.H.I.E.L.D. is a good organization. The less Fury is a good person. And I mentioned the Ultimate Universe. There's not a lot of great ideas running around the Ultimate Universe as a whole. But the Mm -hmm. fact that they literally had the Ultimate version of Nick Fury informing Spider-Man, who's 15, Mm -hmm. that he is illegal to exist and will basically Mm -hmm. become the property of the United States government when he turns 18 or go to prison. It's like on the label, not a good dude. Right. From jump. Yeah. I prefer Mm -hmm. that lack of ambiguity. Like he's a bad guy Mm -hmm. we have to work with. But that's not the 616. And the 616, it's really like, who's writing it? How are you feeling about it?
1: Right. Yeah. No. It seems. It seems like a little bit. Um. Like there is a vagueness there that. Uh, that makes you feel like mildly narrative gaslit. Um. Narrative gaslighting for anybody who's unfamiliar with the term, since I'm the one who made it up. Uh. <laughs> is basically. When a text is presenting you behavior or something that is not okay, but within the text, it does seem like everybody within the world thinks that it's fine. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. So it is It is a little bit narrative gaslighting. Um, but the big thing, the big discussion, the discussion that I am so excited to have today <laughs> is to find out what the fuck with Jack Monroe. Um, he used to be... Bucky, like, how can he be Bucky? Bucky is not an identity. The Winter Soldier is an identity. Cap is an identity. But, like, how can he be Bucky.
0: So I'm going to put a pin in Jack Monroe for our sanity because there's an entire issue devoted to him and his backstory and a little bit of spoiler, mostly from his point of view. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that was decided on after this issue was already written, because I kind of wonder if some of the exposition from this issue could have been offloaded to there. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about that when we get to that. So I'm going to leave Jack Monroe in a little box and talk about Bucky as both name and identity right
1: yes please Mm -hmm.
0: because okay so uh one of my favorite things in superhero comics is legacy heroes i love that shit. Mm -hmm. i love when somebody is superhero a and they die or get old or they have a uh you know a sidekick or whatever and that sidekick Mm -hmm. takes over and they are that same you know identity um Mm -hmm. uh there's gonna be some of that in this longer Brubaker stuff that I'm not gonna talk too mm-hmm. much about. Um, th- we've had Dick Grayson step into the role of uh Batman. I mean, it, it, it mm-hmm. happens. We've had multiple yeah. Spider-Men. We have two of them at the same mm-hmm. time right now in the 616 with Miles and Peter. I love that mm-hmm. shit. I love it a lot. Where that and, and and actually, Robin talking about Robins is a good example. There are like seven Robins. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the reason that this is worth bringing up in terms of Bucky is that we have to remember that Bucky as a character dates to 1940. All right. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is not very long after the entire concept of the superhero sidekick was introduced with, you know what, I think Mm -hmm. he was 1942. Let me say that differently. Bucky as a character dates back to 1942 which is only a Mm -hmm. couple of years after the concept of the superhero sidekick was birthed in Robin, the sensational (laughs) character find of 1940, which is only a year after the entire concept of the superhero was born in action comics, (laughs) number one, with Superman. Mm -hmm. My point here is the earth had not yet cooled, right? Like the (laughs) rules of the universe had not been set in stone yet. Mm -hmm. So Captain America, obviously a, you know, a different identity from private Steve Rogers Right? Mm. You have private first class Steve Rogers and Captain America. Captain is not mm. a rank. <laughs> There's a cynical reason for that. We do not give our living weapons command rank. They are for sending out to do stuff, not for telling other people right. what to do. But you have mm. Bucky as his sidekick, which they kind of introduce as the guy's name. But the thing is, as soon as you put a costume on him and mm-hmm. a mask on and you tie him to Captain America's Secret identity of Captain America. Bucky also becomes a superhero identity in that framework. So when Cap mm-hmm. and Bucky go in the ice, when they are presumed dead, and FD- I mean we talk a little bit about that in this issue, and FDR is like, yeah, but the war's not over yet, gang. We don't want to lose morale. Yeah. Captain America and Bucky are dead. We just put somebody else back in there in their outfits and call them Captain America and Bucky. Mm -hmm. Now, there's clearly also a separation between like Bucky and Robin, partly because Mm -hmm. Captain America goes away for like 20 Mm -hmm. years, like in the real world. Mm -hmm. And when he comes back, Marvel's trying to be the grown up superheroes
1: Uh who think
0: Mm -hmm. that it makes more sense to put teenagers in costumes and let them be their own heroes rather than make them sidekicks. So Cap comes back, Mm -hmm. but Bucky as a sidekick does not really.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So, the identity of Bucky exists as both a singular person, Robert Buchanan Barnes, and a costumed identity, Bucky, which just happens to be the nickname of Robert Buchanan Barnes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. Question. Yeah. Captain America, which is a secret identity had a secret identity that is nomad. What is that?
0: All right. Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) So, so how Steve (laughs) becomes nomad. Just let me, it's going to be a little bit like the recap. Just let me run through it. And then we'll, then we'll talk about it. All right. So Steve is in the midst of dealing with the secret empire. Okay, Um, Mm -hmm. they are basically an organized crime subsidiary of Hydra, like Hydra's full time terrorism. And this is how they keep their hands like in organized crime, mafia type stuff. It's kind of fun in that it's sort of like COINTELPRO in reverse. Like the FBI Mm -hmm. teamed up with organized crime to stop Nazi saboteurs during the war that actually happened. And this is like that, but the other way around. Okay, so (laughs) Cap is dealing with the secret empire, which is largely rich assholes in hoods. Oh, so Uh prescient, honestly. (laughs) And he works his way all the way up to the top and discovers that the head of the secret empire is the president of the United States. And while they never come right out and say that it's Richard Nixon, it is heavily implied Uh Uh that it is Richard Nixon. And this is when Uh Nixon is in office. Okay, this is this is kind of big Uh stuff like for the real world, for kids reading it. Right. Yeah. Cap. Steve, I should say Steve, because we're going to change identities here. Steve feels right. like mm-hmm. he cannot be the champion of America if evil goes right to the top. Ha 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 Because it's never not gone all the way to the top. I'm just saying. Right. So he mm-hmm. gives up his identity as Captain America, but he can't sit on the sidelines and he creates a new identity of nomad, which basically means man without a country.
1: Oh, like like
0: nomads we talk about, Mm -hmm. like they they travel, they are a a culture or a group of people that travel. But the Greek Mm -hmm. source of that, like the source etymology of that is basically Mm -hmm. a wanderer, a man without a home, without a country.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, here's the thing that only lasts for like four issues. And it's kind of ridiculous. And he has a cape and cap or I should say Steve trips on the cape at one point. (laughs) And he comes back as Captain America claiming Instead of championing America as it is, championing the USA's ideals,
1: ha 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 ha! Oh, <laughs> ha. Uh, yeah, that hurts. Um, right? Okay. It's a little. It wasn't really.
0: Tr- great at the time, honestly, and it has not, it's aged like milk in the sun, frankly, um, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Since then, that identity Mm -hmm. of Nomad has passed around a little bit. And when, we'll talk more about this in Jack Monroe's issue, when he came into contact Mm -hmm. with Captain America and Steve really helped him out, he, Jack Monroe, still wanted to stay in the game once he got his head right. And Cap said, well, why don't you take my Nomad identity? And he Mm -hmm. operated as Nomad for a while. So, yeah, caps okay. had uh, th- they actually redid eighty five percent of this story again with like a slightly different gloss, and Steve quit being Captain America again to operate as the captain in a mm-hmm. black, mostly black costume. So like it's come up a couple <laughs> times,
1: okay, interesting. um scourge,
0: <laughs> no what is scourge no. no.
1: No, No. we're not going to talk about that. That's not a discussion we're going to have.
0: Maybe we'll talk about it in the Jack Monroe issue. Maybe I need to revisit it. But honestly, I don't think... It's profitable for us to camp on skirts. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. Sounds fine. We'll set that aside. Um, it was fun for me uh, to see the name Jeffrey Mace um, on right. there, a.k.a. the Patriot, right? Because he was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You're not as much of a fan as I am, um, but I really love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of so it was really fun correct. to see that. Yes. <laughs> There was some good stuff in there, um, but anyway. So now each of them were their own identities: the Spirit of '76 and the Patriot, respectively. But also, were Captain America for short periods. They picked up the shield for a while, I guess.
0: Yeah, basically. I, I mean, that's that's the short version. That's the easy version. Mm-hmm. Is that one one of them? They both kind of came into it by accident, like like that mm-hmm. a a situation necessitated a presence of Captain America and they were there and they're kind of yeah. patriotic themed superheroes already so they just changed clothes and hung mm-hmm. in there as Cap for a while um the spirit of 76 actually is the one that FDR went hey since you stepped in mm-hmm. there and we already know who you are just keep doing it here's a bucky <laughs> Because we don't want the soldiers that are still fighting the rest of the war to think Captain America's dead. So here you right. are. Because, sure, mm-hmm. it's Steve the super soldier. But it's also, just last issue, we talked about this. It's also yeah. Steve the symbol, you know, the right. battlefield symbol mm-hmm. that opposes the Red Skull. So we needed that guy still.
1: Interesting. All right. Well, that was that's a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean, it's it's good to kind of get a lot of this as we talk about the exposition in the story. Of course, now we're doing it in the podcast as well. Um, but one of the things getting back to the story that I wanted to talk about is I think we have a really significant moment here where Cap is finally actively recognizing yes. that someone is inserting weird memories into his head Um so it's there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. We're going back in time. We're getting these memories. He's getting beaten up by crossbones, but we have him, you know, being he's tied down in a chair, and somebody is harming a person who is who is strapped to a wall. Is that supposed to be Bucky? Yes. Like I, I'm not I'm not sure who that is. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that that was Bucky. Um, but apparently, you know, sometimes Jack is Bucky, and I didn't know if it was Jack or if it was Bucky or if it was Bucky Jack or if it was Jackie. I don't know. Okay, so I just these
0: fake. Sure. <laughs> flashbacks these fake memories are to steve's final mission before he went in the ice which is at this point presumed to be bucky's final mission at all right Uh again 2004 and then there was a movie i'm not protecting that spoiler bucky will return right but this is Mm -hmm. uh, at the time that we're reading this comic book in 2005 that's what he's doing is re-remembering with slightly different details his last mission before he,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, 20 years later gets found by the Avengers. Right. And the one that kills Bucky. And it's becoming more brutal. Like, th- that's mm-hmm. most of these. Like, we see Bucky shot in the gut, separated from this mission. Yes. And then there's this mission. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, you know, a, a torture scene. And they know they can't mm-hmm. really hurt Steve. Steve will never break, but he'll break if they break Bucky. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that is, I guess, Bucky won Robert mm-hmm. Buchanan Barnes. The original Bucky hanging on the the wall. The original, yes.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, all right, all right. Um, And just remind us, like, Zemo, I I have a a memory of because he was in the movies as well. But just give us some context for who is Zemo in this comic book world.
0: Yeah, so this is actually, this is, uh, Red Skull is very much Captain America's main villain, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Because they're opposite numbers of each other. But there are some Mm -hmm. other holdovers from the World War II days, funny enough, most of them weren't introduced in the 40s Captain America comics. They were like introduced mm-hmm. in the 60s, Hour uh, Minute War, like uh, uh, when Nick mm-hmm. Fury was Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. They're World War II yeah. stories mm-hmm. that were written in the 60s, right? And so they uh-huh. introduced people who weren't the Red Skull for them to fight because the Red Skull mm-hmm. was always fighting Captain America. They actually introduced Hydra that way. Mm-hmm. That's who... The Howling Commandos, Nick Fury, were usually dealing with were like Hydra machinations. So in the comic books, Red Skull wasn't actually the boss of Hydra. And mm-hmm. some of that is kind of publishing accident, like an evolving universe. But it, it kind of makes sense, too. Like he's leading actual armies in much mm-hmm. the same way that Captain America leads platoons of soldiers and stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. Hydra is like the when shit gets weird, when we need, uh, you know, We're stealing the Mm -hmm. Ark of the Covenant or we're, uh, you know, building death rays or buzz bombs Mm -hmm. or whatever. That's what Hydra's doing. And Baron Helmut Zemo is the head of HYDRA. Arnim Mm -hmm. Zola is his right hand man as a biogeneticist, right? That's where that comes from. So he's the head of HYDRA during World War II. He's really the reason that Bucky is dead as far as Captain America is concerned, because they were stopping Zemo's plot. And so, so that's where the vengeance over Bucky really lives is in Zemo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, okay. uh, last last bit because it's kind of fun is that in. As is traditional for Nazi war criminals, uh, when the war was over, Baron Zemo fucked off to South America, and he was just chilling, like, living there, still being evil as fuck, but, like, Mm small-scale evil, until Captain America (laughs) came out of the ice. And as soon as Cap came out of the ice and he saw him on TV, Zemo was right back on his bullshit. Like, put the outfit back on, (laughs) calling the boys, hey, Cap's back, Mm -hmm. let's go fuck with him, you know. Um And then later he died more or less by Cap's hand, like sort of accidentally, but in battle with Cap. And the current Zemo is his son, Baron Heinrich Zemo. So there you have mm-hmm. another example of, this is kind of fun for you actually, I think. You have another mm-hmm. example of a name that is literally a name, like a family name, mm-hmm. but is also a super villain identity at the same time.
1: Very, very cool. So we got those flashbacks. We saw these things happening. Cap realizes, that this isn't the way that it happened and somebody is inserting these memories into his head and causing him to have flashbacks that actually create dissociative episodes. Um, while, of course, we have talked a lot about how this is very exposition heavy. That is super significant. That is some story moving forward. I'm yes. excited for that. Also, you know, Sharon gets knocked out at the end. Yeah. Um, And we just, like, somebody jumped Sharon at the end of of her little bit there. Um, so yeah, why, why, why did she turn off shields, comms? Why do you, why do you go into a dark alley and an abandoned warehouse? I night. understand
0: why you might have missed this in the two pages of yes. exposition. But remember, right. this uh-huh. is such a sketchy fucking deal that Fury doesn't want yeah. anyone else to know until they've pinned it uh-huh. down. So she's the right. only one that he can trust to go run this down. And so that's why she's running solo. And honestly, so Agent she, 13 yeah. tends to run solo or in tandem with a superhero, usually Captain America. So it's not that okay. weird. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. And then we're left on that kind of cliffhanger space of what's going to happen to to Sharon.
0: Can I throw out, like, this is an example of, like, again, Brubaker doing sort of classic comic book storytelling Mm -hmm. stuff in a modern way. Um, Yeah. They used to, when they all ran like soap operas, there'd be like an A plot, a B plot, and a C plot, right? And then when the Mm -hmm. A plot was resolved, the B plot became the the A plot, and the C moved to B, and we introduced a new C. This was Mm -hmm. how... It went over and over and over. And I really feel like mm-hmm. this, this is Sharon being the B-plot. Like, this is going to be uh-huh. the A-plot. You know, it's going right. to impact okay. the A-plot. But right mm-hmm. now, she gets about three pages, which is about right, yeah. as mm-hmm. she is not the most important thing. And, uh, you know, that sucks for Sharon because we've decided we love her. Yes. But it's classic, proper, serialized superhero storytelling. I love it.
1: Okay, so here we are right at the end of what was a, you know, like an exposition issue, but done as well as it could have been done. Uh, Let's go ahead and start with our favorite parts um, in the art. What was your favorite piece of art in this?
0: I can actually narrow it down to one panel, you know, Uh Um, and it's very topical to the title of this podcast. So my favorite art moment is Crossbones walking down the street, just firing guns at the camera because we're in cap's Mm -hmm. point of view captain america's motorcycle is flipped up over (laughs) his head behind him he doesn't give a fuck because that's cap's (laughs) motorcycle he's here to kill cap we (laughs) never see the motorcycle land and explode but we've seen action movies we know that shit is going to happen and you know where it happened it happened in the gutter friends (laughs)
1: I love that. That's exactly it, right? The gutter is is like the space where we put all the pieces together and we finish kind of constructing, the bits and pieces of this story ourselves it's such an, I mean all reading is is active you know mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but there is something and that's what I love about the the gutter space in these comics is that so much happens there that you don't really think about but that we are actually helping construct the rest of that story along with the writer which is kind of amazing um, I you know I'm at the same page Steve and Crossbones are fighting we flash back and forth from panel to panel it's completely chaotic but punctuated by these perfectly identically sized panels, clicking reliably like seconds on a clock. And I love the juxtaposition of chaos and order on those pages, giving me the sense that what's happening here is exactly what someone intends Mm -hmm. to happen. Mm -hmm. And that's the sense that I get from that. I could be wrong, but like, I'm feeling like there is chaos, but this is planned chaos.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, um... yeah, I, You're correct. I want to say no Mm -hmm. more as we get we'll we'll talk more about the orchestration of all this uh, soon. When we get to that part.
1: Well, this is just as someone who doesn't know what's going to happen. That's what I'm seeing there. You don't have to tell me if I'm right. Um, What was your favorite part of the story?
0: Okay, I'm double dipping a little bit, but this is where we were talking about, like (laughs) the difference Mm -hmm. between low rent hoods and actual Mm -hmm. supervillains, even supervillains that are just muscle. Right. Like Crossbones is not Mm -hmm. a world beater by any stretch. He's not a Red Skull, you know, kind of character, Mm -hmm. but he's still clearly a supervillain. And this is an example of when you see those, you know, sometimes subtle and Mike, in this instance, not that subtle, I think. Right. So Mm -hmm. Crossbones is in the middle of murdering Captain America and could go ahead and do it. He could go ahead Mm -hmm. and do it. There is nothing stopping him except for the fact that he decides that's bullshit. Like, you're clearly not here. Your head's not in the game. This would be a win, but it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And everybody else would be like, the man that killed Captain America. But in his head, there'd always be an asterisk when Cap mm-hmm. was disassociating or not on his game or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, for me, that's that proper supervillain shit. You got a one-time mercenary in a skull luchador mask. <laughs> is he a low rent hood or is he a supervillain? If he hadn't done any supervillain shit before then, that'd be the moment. This is bullshit. I'm not yeah. doing this. Uh huh. Yes, I love that bit. I love it. What about yourself? What's your favorite story <laughs> part?
1: I, you know, I have to say it's the boring Luke and shit in yeah. the opening. It's just there to keep him present enough that we know the seeds are being planted, but not so present that we won't completely forget about. It. And when crossbones comes on the page, just blowing <laughs> right. shit up. Right. Um, it's so, I, I mean, for me as a writer and, and to see a writer do that and yeah. to have that confidence and to be like, I'm going to bore the shit out of you for exactly one page. And you're going to forget all about this. But later on, when this becomes relevant, you're going to be like, yes, it was there. Mm-hmm. I love all of that. I think that that shows such a command of the craft. And it makes me feel like, you know, I, I really comfortable just letting Brew Baker lead me through this. You know, like I completely trust him at this point that he knows what he's doing. And that is such a fun space for me to be in. So I love that.
0: That's a huge part of, uh, all bangers all the time. The ethos of this podcast, right? Is that Mm -hmm. I don't, we're not reading things that are brand new as they come out that Mm -hmm. we don't know if we can trust that they're going to stick the landing. I am only bringing stuff that I know is going to land for our enjoyment. Mm -hmm. So we cannot worry about that and just really appreciate that craft.
1: It is super fun. All right. We'll be back next week with Captain America, Winter Soldier number five, in which we go back in time and all the way to Mother Russia to start to understand why Lucan is so pissed off. Also, the invaders. Yay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not touching that. I'll tell you next next issue.
1: (laughs) I love it when Joshua writes the summary for me of an issue that I have not read. And so I'm like, okay, here we go.
0: Thanks for listening to In the Gutter with Joshua Unruh and Lonnie Diane Rich. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider talking about it with your friends, leaving a review somewhere, or supporting Chipperish Media. Patreon.com slash Chipperish.
1: Let's remember
0: that at the beginning of Captain America, the win... You okay?
1: I'm very, very sorry. No. Yeah, um, I was here trying to silence my phone because it keeps... Like buzzing at me, <laughs> even though I turned on the do not disturb, whatever. Um, and then I accidentally rang it. I accidentally was like, I hit the ring button. So I'm very, very sorry. Pick no, up you're wherever good. you're comfortable. So sorry, Jack. This is just becoming a mess to edit. I may edit this just to save him. Yeah.